Deceptions Podcast. Small Wonders with Laurel Moffat. There's an old church at the top of my street, Holy Trinity, Miller's Point. I've been in it more times than I can count. It's become very familiar. Of course, one of the things about the familiar is that it can be sometimes easily overlooked, taken for granted. But sometimes in a place so familiar that you'd think you'd know it completely, you notice something new that makes you realize maybe you've forgotten how to really see. It was like that for me recently with a window in the church that I'd seen so many times and yet never really noticed. I'd seen it, looked at it, but never really looked through it. If you were to walk into this church, it would be tempting to assume the window I'm talking about is the window at the front, facing east. It's the biggest one, after all, the most well-known. The Mitchell window, made by Charles Clutterbuck in Stratford, England, and installed in the church in 1861, making it one of the earliest examples of stained glass in Australia. It's packed with vibrant scenes of the life of Jesus. The Annunciation, the Visitation of the Shepherds, His Baptism, and His Ascension. It's beautiful and grand in vivid hues of crimson, cobalt, and emerald. But this isn't the window I want to tell you about. The one that interests me is one of the smaller ones on the side of the church, called the summer bell window. It's easy to miss. Most of the scenes in the stained glass windows in the church are set in gardens. Even the one representing Jesus in a temple or tabernacle has leaves growing over the curtain wall and what looks like a peach ripening over his left shoulder. The windows bloom with grass and flowers and fruit. They're bright with living things. Primula, lilies, apples and peaches, marigolds, branching vines and green leaves, blue skies and painted sunsets. In contrast to the images of life and plenty, where gardens encroach into every part of every scene, the ground of every image, there's one exception, the summer bell window. There is no garden in the summer bell window, no flowers, no trees, no fruit, no fretwork of vines and leaves. 
the setting of the images is instead the sea, a stormy sea. The window features two scenes side by side. The one on the left is of Jesus calming a storm. Underneath a boat that looks like it's about to capsize into the gray swirling water is a quote from Mark's Gospel. Peace, be still. And on the right is an image of Jesus walking on water toward his disciples in a boat. And underneath his bare feet that are mid-stride over a low curling wave are the words, It is I, be not afraid. This window was, as it says in the stained glass, erected to the memory of William George Somerville, lost during a storm from the steamer Yarra Yarra on the 15th July, 1877, aged 24 years and six months. And just above this dedication is a line from a psalm. Save me, O God, for the waters are coming to my soul. The Yarra Yarra was built in Scotland to serve as a passenger ferry. After a number of years in such service on the east coast of Australia, it was purchased by Captain William Somerville, the uncle of the Somerville mentioned in the window, for the Hunter River Steamship Company. He reinforced the hull and converted the ship into a collier, shipping coal from Newcastle to Sydney for several years. Saturday, the 14th of July, in 1877, was a working day for the Yarra Yarra and her crew. According to the description published a week later in the Sydney Morning Herald, the Yarra Yarra left Newcastle for Sydney on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock with a cargo of 500 tons coal with moderate sea, thick weather, and southwest wind. There were 18 men on board, and at the helm was William George Somerville, the captain and namesake of the ship's owner. According to the account, a heavy southeast gale set in shortly after 6 o'clock on Saturday evening and continued to increase as the night wore on. At midnight, the wind blew with great fury, accompanied with heavy downpours of rain. The storm continued with unabated fury until Sunday morning, when shortly after daylight, the wind somewhat moderated. Sunday morning brought the easing of the storm and the return of the Yarra Yarra back to Newcastle Harbor. But the high wind whipped the harbor into a rough sea. It became treacherous, fatal even. The newspaper account continues. The steamer came slowly ahead, but drifting toward a buoy, when two seas struck her, throwing a good deal of water on board. The signalman, seeing the steamer in danger, fired the gun for the lifeboat to get in readiness. But a heavy squall coming in, he lost sight of the steamer. In fact, when the squall had passed, 
the unfortunate Yara Yara had disappeared forever. With every living soul on board, some 18 or 20 persons. Many people saw the ship go down that day. But the saddest witness must have been the master of another ship in Newcastle Harbor, the Maitland, William Somerville's father, Thomas. According to the newspaper account of the tragedy, it was some time before he could realize the sad event, thinking it possible that a mistake might have been made in the steamer. Surely the vessel wasn't just gone. It couldn't be lost. It couldn't have disappeared like that. But there was no mistake. The Yara Yara was gone, taking all on board with her. The water of the sea came into the ship and into the mouths and lungs of those on board, filling them, subsuming them, just as the waters of grief and trouble filled the souls of those on shore, tightening their throats with it, particularly the throat and soul of William's father, Thomas. Save me, O God, for the waters are come into my soul. It was a year later, I believe, that the memorial window to William was installed in the Somerbells Church, the church at the top of my street. And it was then that the twin images that the Somerbells had chosen were lifted into the window cavity and the light first shone through them. Jesus calming the sea, peace be still, and Jesus walking on the water, it is I, be not afraid. But what comfort could such images possibly offer to a grieving family who had just lost their son and husband, grandson, brother, and friend, particularly as they had lost him at sea, a sea that on the morning of the 15th of July, 1877, Jesus did not calm, in water on which Jesus did not walk. Where was Jesus when the sea swallowed the Yara Yara and William Somerville with it? I think the answer may be found by following the clue the Somerbells left for anyone who takes the time to look at the window they commissioned. The clue that is in the words at the bottom of the window, those closest to the viewer. Save me, O God, for the waters are coming to my soul. In other translations, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Literal and figurative meaning, along with external circumstances and internal realities, all intertwine in the window. Much as they do in Psalm 69, much like the vines and leaves, fruit and flowers intertwine in the images of the surrounding windows. The water swallowed William Somerville. The waters came up to his neck and higher. The storm was real. And grief flooded a family and their souls with sadness.
In the psalm, there is a similar relationship between external and internal realities, between physical circumstances and inner suffering and turmoil. The summer bell window is a reminder, much like the psalm is a reminder, that the outside world all too often breaks into our inner one. A storm at sea can bring about an internal storm of grief. Our external reality can create internal suffering, so much so that the songwriter can write, I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. It may seem like the movement is only ever in one direction, from the outside in, outer difficulty creating inner turmoil. But in the song, there are two movements, in and out. Suffering comes roaring in. And yet, the first words of the first verse signal an eventual retreat of that suffering. Save me, O God. A knowledge of the truth, a knowledge and love of God, can reframe and alter our experience and interpretation of suffering. It does not erase it or negate it, but it can show it in another light and redefine it. This movement in and out is all through the psalm, as rhythmic as breath, as regular as the tide. The suffering comes in. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. But it also goes out. But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. The psalmist's experience of suffering does not sink his knowledge of God, but rather he allows God to still his suffering. He lays his turmoil, as rough as any stormy sea, at the feet of the only one who can calm it. This is the message of the Summer Bell Window, which we can find if we take the time to really look at it. It's a window that marks an event of great sadness and pain, a specific storm, the death of a particular person. And yet, even in its remembrance of that suffering, it communicates an eternal hope, the kind of hope that can place the fiercest tempest of sadness and suffering at the feet of the only one who can match it and best it with a word. Peace, be still. It is I. Don't be afraid.
Undeceptions Podcast.